Welcome everyone to the Literal Fiction Book Club. Now this morning it is just going to be a solo act. This is Troy here on a nice uh, foggy Saturday morning. I just have a quick recommendation of a book based on a lot of things I've been uh, seeing in the news. And I also thought it would be nice if people are interested in reading more nonfiction. I honestly have far more recommendations in that category. Well, there's a multiple different things that uh, got me thinking about this. But I really do just think that uh, reading American history is very beneficial. The boys are trying to plan a road trip to go around the country and do, well, really to see all the Civil War battle sites. So we can still do it in the time of COVID. So hopefully it's something that we can pull off soon. Now, it is nice just to read about the country, honestly. I feel, I don't know. Reading your history does just make you feel connected to it, although I understand it can be quite goddamn dry sometimes, so I don't, uh, I don't take offense if anybody can't really bear, the stand, bear to stand reading nonfiction. So anyway, I would like to go ahead and recommend books that I do think are useful, and I can probably do that through random various episodes, uh, occasionally on a Saturday if people are interested. Uh, otherwise, our main group is going to stick to and focus on fiction books. Uh, which is good since we are the literal fiction book club. Now, I think for other things that we are going to do, uh, switching around is going to be very useful. Uh, switching different categories and then also having one-off episodes. So I hope the readers enjoy it or the listeners enjoy it and definitely do feel free to read along if you would like to. Um, part of it is it should be something that's accessible for everyone. Now, you don't have to get drunk every Thursday like we do when we record it, but if you would like to, feel free to join as well. So I really just wish people would read more often. Uh, I feel like that's a large part of our apathy today is that people just don't read. They're not really, really interested. It's only media that they can consume, whether on the Internet, uh, on TV, or such as this podcast through radio. Now, I, I don't know. I do get with apathy that there's just a lot of terrible things going on right now. Like the amount of violence and discord in our society is disquieting. But it's honestly not that extreme in terms of where we have been before. Like people say, oh my God, things are so unprecedented. Maybe for like the last 25 years, but uh, humans have very short memories because um, one generation experiences something and then the next one just doesn't have the same recollection of it. Um, but we've had terrible violence in our country in the past, which is not saying that everything right now is fine, but uh, it is oddly comforting to read around our history and realize that uh, everything's always on the edge of collapse. That's just kind of the way the world is. Always has been and always will be. But that's why it takes interested and engaged people for there to be a republic. For authoritarians and other forms of government where people don't really have rights or don't have a say and a will in the use and exercise of political power, um, it's fine if they're disinterested. They can be great at one thing that they do, whether that is entertainment or if they're trying to well, just be business people but not be involved in politics or public life in any way. That's fine in a dictatorship, which is unfortunate, but it can't exist in a republic. Like, people have to be engaged if you are a citizen of this country. Like, it is a right, but it is also a duty and a responsibility. And uh, I think that that part, honestly, is lacking. 
people do feel passionate about things because we're all brainwashed by corporate media at this point, one way or another, forcing you, not forcing you, but encouraging you highly to go out to certain events that will sow discord. Maybe you're going to bring guns. Uh, maybe you're going to hit somebody with your car. Maybe you're just going to throw rocks. Like, I don't really have an issue with having uh, radical forms of expression. Like, the First Amendment is the First Amendment. And then also, if there is tyranny in the government, like, that's quite literally one thing that we do have written into our Constitution and into our culture is just we don't put up with that shit. Like, people should be out on the streets. If there's violence that they're facing, um, we do also have the right to defend ourselves. Like, I'm, I just feel very, uh, I feel very comfortable saying that, that black citizens should be able to own weapons just as anybody else. Like, as citizens of their country, of this country, that is their right, and they shouldn't be under higher suspicion and then also uh, being killed in their own homes when they're trying to literally defend themselves. What would you think if you didn't know that police were coming? Nobody knocks. They kick in your door. They start shooting. Of course you're going to grab a gun. Like, you're going to be murdered otherwise. You're probably still going to be murdered anyway, but that should not be part of the understanding of why somebody should be a target. If they're murdered by the state, oh, they had a weapon. Well, yes, but we're allowed to own weapons. Like, that, you shouldn't be able to hold that against us. I'm just more worried that with no-knock warrants, there isn't a, there isn't really a way of differentiating when they're ordered by the court. So if there was a saying of, yes, we know, or we have evidence that this person is going to be an active threat or a live threat with uh, live weapons, if we go in there, okay. But you should definitely make sure that there are not women and children around. And also, it is very heavy-handed like for all the violence that there is in our society, um, I'm honestly quite disturbed by the level of state violence um, in the United States compared to other Western countries and republics. As far as we are a liberal country, or I think that we are kind of still the great experiment of a republic, we're the first one in the modern age, um, we are quite a reactionary culture. Like we are very conservative we are a conservative country with liberal habits, not the other way around. Um, it is just interesting and important, I think, to understand that. Like when we were reading the, our French Revolution unit, part of it was different countries do just have different aspects of their culture that lead them to one type of violence or another. The French, for instance, lean towards leftist violence. The Russians lean towards, it's leftist, but anarchic violence. Um, but in the United States, there is quite a lot of right-wing violence, and it's honestly been effective throughout history. Uh, the, a cabal of right-wing senators and people in power, the moneyed interests of the South, they lost control of the Congress because more and more people were voting North and moving West, uh, so they broke the country apart. Like there, is, uh, there are evil forces at work. There always have been throughout history. It's just always people who have certain interests and they're so rigid in it that they are going to use any means to keep what they have. And then they know that it's corrupt, and they also know that it's illegitimate, so they are willing to use violence to keep it that way. Because otherwise there would just be, you know, a chance of reform. But if you have all the money and you have all the power, why would you let there be a chance to change the status quo? 
if you have a monopoly, if you have a hold on things, you just want to keep it that way. Because why wouldn't you? Things are working out perfectly for you. Unfortunately, that doesn't mean that it's working out perfectly for the country. And if the government were honestly to divest of corporate interests, like corporate interests should play a part in government policy. Uh, but they just need to remember that like in a republic, representation is key. And one thing that we should do is strengthen voting laws in multiple different ways. Um, and then also strip moneyed interests that is using the First Amendment as a facade uh, to just openly and corruptly by different sectors of government until it's entirely captured. These sorts of things are just things that we have to be aware of, really, as people that are uh, citizens. And I understand if people don't want to vote this November, um, like really, how have we come, this is how far a society will crumble if the system that is meant to use and support people, democracies don't always have the best leaders. That's not really the point. The point is that it will produce average or slightly above average leaders, but that we can get rid of them if they make mistakes. Or if they're doing good, we can continue to let them uh, go forward for a second or longer if they're in the legislature. But being able to get rid of people is uh, quite important because if you can't, you just enact your will on people, which I think why there's such an interest in the Supreme Court nominations now is just they are there for life, so there is more hard power uh, just because they don't have term limits. Although I, I do agree that a judiciary having a life term limit is, it makes sense to make them impartial to other political leanings. Um, although our system is entirely so broken um, that it is quite crazy where we're at overall, that the courts have such a large sway in American history. And honestly, our courts have not always done well in the past. Um, the passage of the Supreme Court has been very different. Uh, it was good right at the beginning of the Republic. It was good in Jacksonian America. Uh, it was bad in the 1830s to the 1850s. Uh, right after the Civil War, it was okay. It was terrible during the growth of capitalism in the Gilded Age. Um, it was all right in the first half of the 20th century. And then it's been so-so since about the 80s. But People don't take interest in it, and honestly, they should. I am glad that people have mourned RBG just because she is a uh, very honestly important figure for the country. Like, I am loath to agree with just the commercialization of it, like the movie, RB, the yeah, notorious RBG, as long with other things. Uh, but she honestly was quite an impressive person, like even for a Supreme Court justice, um, just because... It's amazing to realize how recent a lot of women's rights have been. Um, women didn't really leave the home in numbers until after the Vietnam War. It wasn't until the 70s and after the Vietnam War that when the economy went in the tanks, um, women had to leave the home because more people had to work in order to pay rent, get food, have health care. Um, yeah, and ever since then, honestly, we've been going downhill. It's hard to spot, like people say, oh my God, we have so many technological improvements and just general wealth in society. But uh, yeah, just the overall material comfort of people is not the same as it used to be. Everybody has to work now and we get paid less for what we do and we work longer hours and it's more stressful. But anyway, back in the 70s, it was important that RBG started passing or supporting legislation and 
different laws that gave women equal rights. Like the ability of a woman in Texas, uh, she was not allowed to get a loan or buy a home alone until 1985, um, which that's pretty crazy. So like a lot of these rights that people are fighting for, it's happening in our lifetime or very close to our lifetime. So a lot of people may not have been alive for that, but you can realize that in a public figure. If they've lived through important points of history, they, uh, if people have lived through history and they have risen to the challenge, I think that that definitely does reserve, deserve respect. Um, and I have very mixed opinions about people on the Supreme Court, uh, but she was a very good justice. Um, now, it is going to be very interesting what it does for the election. I believe that it uh, really is going to make this quite an important election. People say that every four years, and it's definitely overblown. Um, but there is something to be said for changing the majority of the judiciary, like for a hard lock. Like six to three is a large majority for any section of the court. I do also think that it makes um, election interference more or less inevitable now. The stakes are just too high. Uh, public groups in the United States, so of citizens, uh, the religious right, the left, uh, the political parties, everybody's on board the money train now. The system's so broken that you have to use it to win, so everyone is. Um, yeah, they're throwing money on it, and they're probably going to break campaign finance law but our system, again, is so broken that they probably won't be caught or they'll only get a slap on the wrist for it. Uh, plus all foreign countries. Russia, is uh, it really is their specialty. Their specialty is being able to sow discord and propaganda. That's always been the thing the Russians are best at. It's like they're uh, a unique brand. Although Russia, or uh, China rather, and Iran and many other malcontents are definitely going to try to influence us as well. But that's the way it is with the internet. If we could have done it before, we would have. Um, and honestly, the United States does do it to other countries. It is quite frightening, though. We do have we live in very rapidly changing times, where a republic has never faced this challenge before of the internet, where a foreign enemy, an adversary, even an ally, anybody can throw money at things and try to influence the public. So you can directly influence or give foreign propaganda masked as legitimate news to the populace and try to influence an election. Um, now, imagine if this had been possible in the 1700s, like how this would have impacted the revolution or revolutions in Europe uh, or even the one here in the United States, that if someone from another country was able to give you pamphlets and basically constantly 24-7 be countering uh, what you are trying to achieve, like what the revolutionaries are trying to achieve, it would have nullified it. I honestly think it would have. Um, and these are really truly scary times. Like I'm not quite sure a democracy and a republic can survive in the 21st century, not necessarily just because of uh, this issue, but this is a very important cornerstone of it is how technology is changing what it means to be in a republic and altering those rules where it almost doesn't make them irrelevant, but it needs to be updated. There needs to be a rejuvenation, I think, for the 21st century. A lot of things are way behind the times. Like We're about 40 years behind technology with our laws, 
Um, but also just like political will needs to be updated for the 21st century as well. Everything is kind of old and stale. We're not living in postmodernism anymore. I feel like we are in a new gilded age, a, like a cyber gilded age. Everything is nice. It's glittering, but uh, people realize that something is missing. And honestly, that's the same feeling that it was in the 1890s and 19 teens and the 1920s that like, yes, we're getting richer and richer, but something is amiss. Our society is sick in multiple different ways. And uh, honestly, it does read it need a rejuvenation and strengthening voting laws and strengthening the ability of people to get out and not be apathetic is something that I think is important. Not that all political um, involvement is necessarily productive. Uh, so part of the news media being so ingrained in everyone is that you buy a hook, line, sinker, and then, because this is America, everybody's out on the street with guns. So, uh, yeah, more people are probably going to get shot than are in other countries, but uh, that's just due to the nature of our gun laws. Um, now, if there is serious tyranny going on, like, people should have guns. That's what they have them for. There have been instances, not against the federal government, but in local areas, of people making citizens arrests where they were well-armed because people are trying to impact voting rights. I do think that that is, in America at least, probably the most legitimate use of citizens' right to own the weapons that have existed is you have to protect the Bill of Rights. Like, honestly, yes, the Constitution's great, but a lot of it's just window dressing. The best or the most important document in history, in my opinion, is the Bill of Rights, something that has never been done before. A large section of a government constitution, one, that there is a constitution between the government and the people, but two, something that significantly limits limits the power of that government in favor of the rights of the individual. And the thing about the Bill of Rights is that it is universal. So, like, yes, black lives matter. Like, yes, women's rights matter. Um, LGBT rights matter. Like, they all matter just because everyone, all stripes, varieties, are all Americans. Like, these are all things for citizens, and we can all commonly agree on that, that I think the most important thing should be focusing on the rights of the citizen. Um, and we're torn apart here, there, and everywhere based on culture wars, but... Uh, I think that we could all honestly get on the same side, or I hope that we could, about the role of government overreaching. Like, no, you have to protect that person's right to privacy and ability to do whatever it is they want to do. Because if somebody can tell them that, then somebody can tell you that. Uh, that's cynical, it's self-involved, but uh, it's it works. It's the only way to limit humans' wicked streak, both in power and then also just us being violent apes. It allows us really to, yeah, to move beyond those things. But just have to accept what we are, honestly. Now, in terms of the books that I recommend, I know that I'm a solid 20 minutes into this and I haven't given you my book recommendation yet, is uh, there's a couple different ones. So I really recommend Reconstruction by Eric Fawner. Um, do get the unabridged copy. It's about 700 pages, but it is a very stark and honestly stunning period of history that's not really covered. Um, so the period right after the Civil War, or really even during the Civil War, so 1863 through around 1874 in Grant's second term, 
really a revolutionary period for the Republic. Like nothing spurs innovation like crisis. And honestly, it was probably the strongest in terms of it being a second American revolution. Um, I do agree that the Civil War was a second American revolution, but for the North, uh, the North became far more Republican. And then the passage of more amendments um, was a very great leap forward for our country. Now, the book is uh, very dark, so do expect it, or yeah, don't be surprised by it, I guess I should say. Um, it does also point out political violence. So it talks about racial political violence and really when political violence is used. It's used to keep people from the polls because uh, people talk about how voting is not important, but elections matter. People die for it. Like If you look at elections around the world, there are dozens, sometimes hundreds of people killed on election day. Because, uh, sure, your individual mo vote may be uh, somewhat insignificant, but overall, uh, the power of changing, like, raw ability to control the government uh, is a very dangerous and powerful thing indeed. Um, so it's just, it's very interesting that it's both a right and a duty for citizens to be involved in it. And honestly, defending a republic is most important, in my opinion, just to defend someone's rights. Um, so I know a lot of people that are disillusioned with a Republican form of government. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of shit wrong with our society today. Uh, but honestly, if people are involved, then it makes a difference. Uh, it has to kind of by necessity. But in terms of other government forms, they're not nearly as interested as defending someone's rights. Uh, so you defend your rights in a republic because you're, de or you defend other people's because you're defending your own. So it's self-involved, but it's like, benign and it limits power which is good because humans are just power hungry and we're weak creatures in general and we tend towards violence and uh, get out of control in terms of labeling ourselves by religions or skin colors or languages um, but whatever the method is it is best or I think it is the most uh, peaceful way to live or it's the best way for a society to be organized based on all the different versions of civilizations that have existed Honestly, the vast, vast majority of them have been dictatorships or tyrannies of one sort or another. So it's honestly incredibly rare to and a privilege to live in a republic um, at this point in history and then in general. Like, I know a lot of what I've been saying has been very dour and uh, depressing. But I think that it is also when there's great strife, there's also a lot of great opportunity. There's the ability for us to radically update the Constitution uh, systems of government, really how society works in the 21st century. Like we can also use all of this technology. Uh, we can use the challenges of how we're going to adapt and overcome uh, issues of violence and voting rights and being bought by media as well as global warming and other things. Like our society does need to deal with it and to be able to thrive. Like we're sick, we're powerful, but we're sickly just because we're letting things decay. And honestly, that's due to apathy. And I'm, I don't support violence, but I am happy that people are, are out on the streets and actually give a shit about things this year. Like, it's the most important year, I think, in history since, well, since about 2001, but then for domestic politics since 1968 or 1993. There's just a lot of stuff that is going on that has turned negative, but also like some things are worth fighting for. Like some things are important. Some things people should take to the street for. 
And also protesting is one form of right that we are given. It depends on the target of the protest or the riot if it does turn violent. Um, but it does have a message. You're trying to send a message to certain people. In Hong Kong, they uh, broke into the legislative chamber and they graffitied all over it to make it look illegitimate. Because it was. It was a kangaroo court of a legislature. Um, they physically took out the democracy rights people that had swept the election in late 2019. Uh, literally won almost every single district. They took them out by force. And yeah, they basically... There's always that. It happens. There's always an instant where the tyrannical side or the side that does not believe in fair play, uh, they're sore losers about something. They will normally lose an election and sometimes they will lose it on a large scale. And then they will just have a little legislative coup where they do something, they bar certain people from entering, certain people from voting. They have quorums when certain people aren't allowed to be involved. They will force people from the uh, legislative chamber. Sometimes police will be involved. So shit like that does happen, and people honestly need to be involved and aware of things like that. Now, nothing so dramatic is going to happen here in the United States, but uh, there's reasons for people to riot, you know. Like, sometimes stuff is worth fighting for. There's many things that are worth fighting for. I understand that a lot of things that people are seeing these days are depressing and traumatizing, but also, like, it's good to give a damn that people are being murdered by the state it is good to give a damn that people realize that there are anarchists that are radicalized by the internet, both left, right, and center, mainly right in terms of like militias, but there's like lone wolf leftist people and just like general loser malcontents uh, that want to throw rocks. But then on the other hand, there is the police going into a city that did not ask them there with unmarked federal agents and disappearing people into vans, um, very much violating their Fourth Amendment right. People have to be smart about what they're protesting, though, or rioting. It has to have a goal. Just doing it to be angry or to cause a scene, to be an edgelord, it uh, doesn't work. If people want to send a message, it has to be who they're specifically trying to send a message to. A lot of the anger is against police, but... Uh, I do also feel that a lot of it should be directed towards politicians because our system is so broken that police are just enforcing broken old laws um, that should have been repealed decades ago. But our system is so corrupt and bought that uh, we're kind of stuck in this stasis that nobody is pleased with except the billionaires. Now, while I do have some sympathy for police, I do also believe that they're just looking out for their own self-interest and their own self-interest is kept at the status quo uh, by a lot of violence. Like they have leaned into getting militarized over the last 20 years. People wonder why there's so much violence. The uh, military industrial complex is recycling all of their old combat gear, all of their old weapons, the addition from two years ago that nobody wants anymore. Well, if the military doesn't get that, we try to sell it off to African or Arab countries. And if that doesn't work, well, fuck it. We'll just sell it at a discount to local police departments. It truly is disturbing, isn't it? The idea that uh, the police has become a standing army. Every time there's an incident, it's SWAT teams now. There's no longer somebody with a pistol or even a shotgun. There's a team with people, a team of people with assault rifles, um, <laughs> that has changed recently as well because uh, Antonin Scalia, like another Supreme Court justice that passed, 
uh, his reinterpretation based on the commas where the commas are placed in the Second Amendment has greatly enhanced people's right to individuals right to have a firearm. But it has also made it far more dangerous just because people do have access to high grade weapons. Um, Again, I think that that's something that is something that we should have the ability to own weapons. But I also understand all the discontent in the country with the terrible violence. Um, So I think laws do need to be upgraded for the 21st century. But then always the key piece being in mind that, all right, anything that we're changing is going to be to enhance and enforce the Bill of Rights. I think like that as a cornerstone makes, it shows that you have good will or you're doing something in good faith. And I think that I could work with somebody from any side of the aisle if they have that sort of mind frame. Like people that want to encourage and strengthen the Republic, uh, I may disagree with you, but we're always going to be on the same side. Now, I just took a very long tangent. So back to the book. Uh, It does also show in horrifying detail the history of racial violence uh, used in politics. So I know that, or everybody knows at this point, the story of how awful slavery was in this country. But I feel like one part that doesn't get talked about is the struggle of black Americans right after freedom. Um, And they had immense access for like two years. It was quite crazy. In the direct aftermath, uh, black Americans were elected to Congress. They were elected to state legislatures in droves. Uh, They used their political power. Uh, But then in the early 1870s, there was effective racial political terrorism. In Louisiana and Mississippi and Missouri and Tennessee, uh, dozens, if not hundreds, of black men and women were killed to stop them from going to the polls. Uh, It really is interesting to see how when a part of society cannot win in the polls or if they do not want to change in the status quo, they will use violence to keep it the way it is. But then on the flip side, if you want to change anything, if somebody has such a stranglehold on all levers of power, all money, really everything in a society, um, and they're not going to allow you to change laws or even have access to it, Like you can also understand why people get on the streets and are carrying guns and throwing rocks about stuff like that. You're physically being locked out of participating in the government. Uh, So basically like the government has been captured by corporate interests. Has been for a while, but there's a difference between senseless violence and people that want to just like be angry out on the streets. And then there's directed violence where, okay, I want to change a specific law or a specific thing about society. Right now, we want to change, or the people that I've talked to, want to change uh, police qualified immunity. But then even beyond that, there are people that believe that, no, the system is so corrupt, there's nothing that we can do to reform it. uh, Because the people in power, they literally have immunity from the law. Uh, They can kill people and get away with it uh, because of their job and because they're the state. um, Which, (laughs) Americans loving freedom and not loving a big state... What a police state we live in, huh, compared to other Western societies. Although not too, too terrible, honestly, in comparison with the rest of the world. But uh, that's not really the point. We don't want to be the rest of the world. We want to be the solid Republican example. And right now we have an entrenched system of interests that is like the defense industry. The defense industry mixed with local law enforcement. 
Um, and again, I have said that I have sympathy for them, but them having the power of the state and wielding it insecurely uh, is not good. And I'm sorry, but the rights of citizens to not be abused by the state outweighs any fucking insecurity you have about your job. The point of citizens having guns is not that the police then need to become even more of a private, or not private, but a uh, domestic military army that is enforcing laws. The point of citizens having guns is that the state can fuck off. (laughs) They can get involved in things that are very important and that are required. But for most things, the state does not need to get involved. Like for as impotent as the state has been recently, it also is reaching further and further into our lives, into the technology, into every aspect of our life. Um, So it's doing it with less legitimacy, but it's being more overt and the technology is just the lube that's making it happen. Again, these are crazy times for our country, but reading always helps, calms the mind. I hope you guys enjoy my recommendation. Again, the book is Reconstruction by Eric Fawner. Uh, it's very good. It talks about racial politics, talks about a revolutionary period in the Republic, uh, it talks about violence and when it's actually been used in this country. It's talked about what it change it takes to change not only laws, but culture and society at large. Um, and it's also very good, makes you understand and appreciate America more, which not isn't always the happiest thing. Uh, sometimes it's very depressing, but uh, it's like, these people are a son of a bitch, but they're, uh, they're my son of a bitch. So you got to support your own country. I don't know. I feel very weird about that. We are a very messed up culture. We are a very uh, disturbed culture and reactionary, um, but we also have a lot of beautiful things and beautiful ideas that we could live up to. Uh, but people got to be involved. The apathy is literally killing it um, just because people are depressed because they don't actually have a choice because things are so broken right now that uh, it kind of precludes them from actually having anything useful. And then also we're so drugged up on different forms of entertainment, literal drugs, um, pharmaceuticals, things that just keep us entertained and placated so that we can be customers. Uh, but that's really not what it's about. A republic has to have people that are engaged and involved. Um, and hopefully that does lead to a renaissance all throughout society for the 21st century. Because I do think a republic can thrive, but not in its current state. It needs a major overhaul. We need new parties. We need, need I- new ideas. Um, having a new Supreme Court is going to be good. Hopefully they're not uh, reactionary, but All courts have made mistakes, but the important thing is that they're independent and that they actually do have a clear grasp of rights being front and center in the Constitution. And if you'll notice, most cases that come before courts are really only about the Bill of Rights. Very few people argue about the different sections of the Constitution. If there's ever a court case, it's because the government is violating rights. Like At the beginning, they didn't want to put it in because... Uh, James Madison thought, well, if we give government rights, then they have the power to take them away. Um, But then the flip side of the argument is yes, but if you don't list them out, uh, people just won't think that they exist. I believe there are universal rights that we should have, uh, but there's no guarantee of that. Like most of history, like I said, has been dictatorship and authoritarians. And uh, it's really only by man-made laws that we can enforce this. And that's what makes the American Republic so impressive 
and also why I feel uh, very patriotic towards it, even if we do fall short of that ideal very often. Um, coming out of the Enlightenment was a very just a good time for us. We had very good timing in terms of when our country was formed in history. So I hope you read it. I hope you have a good weekend. Um, let me know your thoughts um, if people are into this. Hopefully the other guys on the crew can also go ahead and make some little episodes on their book recommendations. Uh, but for now, uh, have a good Saturday, everybody. This has been uh, Troy's Corner, where I recommend some nonfiction books. So I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you next week.